previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. You find yourself in the hold of a hammer ship. The ship passed into the phlogiston. Phlogiston is highly flammable. Sun, come here. Uh, my character is a doar, who are little penguin people. My name's Marco. My name's Luckbeak. Yes. You're, you're a groundling. I am. Good God, you were born yesterday, kid. Is there a problem here? My character is a gift Yankee. Yo, you're ravenous, right? Yes. My name is Silence of Starlight. I am Sir Braddock Forthright. Did you two meet when she licked you? He turns. On his back is a silver gift Yankee sword. All right. I want his sword. What's the plan here? It might be better if three of us work together. Yeah, let's be friends. They throw in only the exact amount of rations that are needed, and there is an ogre. It's not enough. There is a teenage boy kind of brush past you. He doesn't eat the ration. He pushes it through a crack in the barrel. I'm going to approach. You're pretty sure it's a girl. Perception check on the barrel. He's my little brother. They don't know he's here. A big robot person pick up some ration. Those rations will do you no good. You're a machine. He doesn't seem to be able to speak. He's gesturing. He's trying to talk to you. I really don't care what- Hey, keep it down over there! It sounds like you got lucky once. And I need everybody to roll for initiative. Higher than a 20. I got a 23. The time I actually roll. Yeah, the time 20. you don't want a natural 20, yeah. <laughs> 15 to 20? 16. Okay, Marco, what did you get? Lucky number seven. Nice. There's a lot of people in this hole. Oh, are we all fighting? <laughs> I'm getting initiatives for bystanders. Okay. Just in case. Just going to turn into a battle royal. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you cue ballroom blitz on the soundtrack. <laughs> in the podcast. Grab the kids and let the meat grinder work itself out. <laughs> Just eat the penguin upstairs. It'll- yeet. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, Ravnus, you are first. So, you are standing directly in front of Braddock, kind of in the middle of the hold. You have this forge standing next to you, close to where you were sitting originally. There's people on, like, cargo that's kind of in the middle of the hold, and they're dispersing because they see this ogre from the far corner starting to move forward. However, the girl that Marco spoke to is sitting on a barrel that's in this group of cargo in the middle of the hold. Shit, so she's gonna get hit if we start scrapping. She would be right in the middle of things, but Marco, you also know that the barrel that she's sitting on is also important. Yeah, I'm gonna jump on that whenever it's my turn. Got it. But Ravnus, it is your turn. She is going to make one last appeal to Braddock. You really want to do this. You really want to fight me right now. You are challenging my honor. I would love nothing more. She's gonna swing. Do it. 
That is a 16. That is going to miss. As, oh, as you swing, he kind of dodges to the side and it glances off of his plate armor. That is not a great side. <laughs> well, shit. Okay. <laughs> the rest of our chances are very low. All right, so he's going to take a swing at you. She does not have her shield. Okay. He's swinging with his great sword. That is going to miss. He only got a 10, but he's going to swing it again. And he's also going to miss. You just kind of dodge out of the way. You guys see that the half-elf woman who's watching from the corner has kind of leapt to her feet, but is just watching intently to see what happens. Luckbeak, it's your turn. I think what Luckbeak is going to do uh, is... Jesus. So he's not brave enough to try to break up the conflict directly, Mm -hmm. but I think he is going to... um, He's going to climb on top of... Is there anything higher than the barrel in this room? Yes. There are several stacks of crates actually uh, right there. You're kind of in the corner created by a stack of crates in the side of the hole. So you can climb up there. Sure. He's going to scramble on top of the crates, and uh, I think he's going to say... Okay, all right, everybody, don't do anything you can't take back here. Neither of you hurt one another, but you remember last time something happened? They threw us down into this hold. Can you imagine what they'll do if one of y'all kills the other? They're going to toss us all out the back of this ship. Go ahead and make a persuasion check with disadvantage since combat has already broken out. Yep. Ooh, uh, so not my natural 20, but 22 non-natural. 22 (laughs) non-natural. Okay. Well, let me let me see, because <laughs> uh, I think that does. Yeah, you know what? Braddock hears that and he nods, but he's still kind of glaring at Ravness. I think almost imperceptibly uh, to to Braddock at the very least, I'm going mm-hmm. to sneak in a little wink at Ravness. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of a hey when he turns his back, <laughs> hit him then. <laughs> he's gonna get an insight check yeah. to see if he notices that shit. Go ahead and just make a, a just a straight charisma check. Straight charisma. Oh boy, 13. He is not an insightful boy. Oh, good. Okay. So yeah, he does not seem to notice. Or if he does, he thinks it's like a weird doar twitch. I had something in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) So you see that this shifty looking gnome bard that's been in the back is going... Actually, he's going to hang back towards in the middle of the fray. He is going to look up at you, Luckbeak, who's now standing like in full view on top of the crates. And he's going to say... Hey, bird, why don't you fly away and mind your own business? Oh, wait, you can't. And cast Vicious Mockery on Okay. Dang. <laughs> Rude. Got him. <laughs> you take four psychic damage. Okay. I'm going to say, well, that, that makes you look like the stupid one because you didn't know it at first. <laughs> Doesn't hurt me. <laughs> okay. So it is now Silence's turn. And she, with like a manic grin on her face, is going to leap and jump off the shoulders of just a random human guy trying to press himself as far to the wall as he can to get out of the way of this fray. And she's going to leap off and somersault and land next to Braddock. She is going to attack with her short sword against Ravness, which is only going to be an 11 to hit. So that misses, and then she's going to attack again. Man, I'm rolling like shit. That is a 12. Keep it up, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I like it better when they're not moving. (laughs) At that, the Warforged is just going to try and leave the area (laughs) with... uh, Like, he's big and intimidating, but he also has a handful of rations. So he's going to leave, but Braddock is going to actually take an attack of opportunity against him. I would like to think he's (laughs) tiptoeing. I'm just gonna leave. (laughs) Clank, 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 clank. Yeah, Braddock is gonna hit him, and he's gonna deal 10 slashing damage to this Warforged. Ow. 
Rude. God, like, fucking Braddock's like the bastard love child of Zap Brannigan and Gaston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That was kind of his design. <laughs> All right. So the orc that's the companion of this ogre is going to attempt to try and calm the ogre down. But the ogre who is now clambering to his feet is just not paying attention and is actually going to backhand his palm away and knock the orc to the side. And the ogre is going to lumber forward now, pushing his way past the crates that the girl that Marco was talking to is still sitting on. She's kind of in a panic, like she wants to run, but she knows that she can't abandon her brother. The ogre is going to stand there and she's going to duck down to the side and he's going to take a big wide swipe with his reach at Braddock. The ogre is actually going to pick up one of the barrels and just kind of slam it down on Braddock's head. And he deals 13 damage to Braddock. This completely takes Braddock by surprise as the barrel just shatters across his head. And he seems slightly dazed. Alrighty. So at that, the girl is going to dart out of the way of this ogre. But as she runs towards the back of the ship towards you guys, she makes eye contact with you, Marco. Do something. And Marco, it's your turn. All right, so Marco is going to run into the fray and essentially try to, like, tackle and roll the barrel out of the way. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. All right, so you are on the far side of this fray. You're, like, right behind Ravnus. And Mm -hmm. the barrel is right behind Braddock, between Braddock and this ogre. So you can kind of squeeze through between Ravnus and this girl and Mm -hmm. get to the barrel. And that'll take half of your movement to get there. All right. But you'll have to make an athletics check to tackle this barrel over and try and maneuver it away. Oh, sweet shit. (laughs) Like I said, this is going to be interesting. (laughs) All right, here we go. Holy hell, um, 16. Damn, that's just enough. Okay, so as your action... You tackle this barrel and you basically use your momentum because you don't have strength. You use your momentum. (laughs) My strength is negative two. To hit the top of the barrel and knock it over and the top of it pops off and you can see that there is a little human boy, probably maybe eight or nine years old, scrunched up in this huge like 50 gallon barrel. And there's not apples in it at all. It's, yeah, it no. seems to like linens or something stuffed into the bottom. But it is now on its side and you can use the rest of your movement to maybe move it back five feet. But there's really nowhere else for it to go. That's my goal is try to get it away as quick as possible. All I'm saying just to the kid, sorry. Right. Is the kid in full view of, of the whole place now? No, the top of the barrel opened toward the wall. So there's like a line of people that are pressed up against the wall of the hold that can probably see, but the opening is away from you guys. Got it. So yes, I have tackled the barrel and I guess roll it five feet. So you move yourself back five feet. So you're in line with Ravnus and the barrel is in front of you, but the ogre is going to take an attack of opportunity as you move out of its reach. That's, that's fair. 12 to hit. Yeah, that hits. And you take 13 bludgeoning damage as he hurls another crate at you that bursts on your back right as you get back into position. Yeah, that wasn't fun for anybody. Maybe the ogre. (laughs) By now, people are pushing their way towards the back of the ship. The dragonborn you were talking to earlier is very quickly exiting the immediate area. And a bunch of people that are along the walls are kind of filing out as well, giving you guys a little bit more breathing space. That half-orc that was sleeping against the side of the hold is still sleeping. (laughs) Jesus, does someone cast sleep on him? (laughs) In fact, where he's at, he's actually like kind of leaning across barrels and silence is standing like right on top of him. 
Ravnus, we're back to the top with you. All right. She's going to take another swing at Ravik. That is an unnatural 20. Nice. That hits him. All right. Seven damage. Is it an action to draw my shield? No, you get one interact with item use for free as like part of your movement. And since you're not moving anywhere, yeah, you can just do it. You get like one interact with item per round. Cool. So she's going to draw her shield as well. So that bumps your AC up to 17. Yep. Sweet. Braddock is now being assailed from both sides because he has a huge ass ogre that is very unhappy with him, interrupting his or wait, very sorry, honorable actually add, battle. Add two to that damage. Two to the I, damage? Sure. I miscalculated. Math is hard. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Braddock now seeing that he has a huge ogre that is clambering over cargo coming up right up his ass. He is going to step five feet to the side, kind of like over top of the barrel that has the kid in it. You know what? Yeah. He doesn't know that there's a kid in the barrel. He's actually going to kick the barrel out of the way, and it's going to roll closer to the ogre, and he's going to stand in that space. E. Oh, Marco is not happy with this. <laughs> and he's going to turn to face the ogre. Come at me, foul beast! And he's going to hold his action for when the ogre steps into his range. All right, so that half-elven woman who's kind of watching the fray is going to step a little bit closer, but still not taking any action, still just kind of observing, seeing what happens next. Luckbeak, it's your turn. So, um, how far is the, uh, the whole door? The whole doors are on the far side of the ogre. So let's see, you're 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. You are 40 feet away from where you're standing. Okay. You are only like 15 feet from the aft end of the hold. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of carefully get down off of these boxes and go as quickly as I can over to the um, below where the the doors are. I probably won't be able to make it all the way. Uh, But what I'm going to do in the meantime is I'm going to pull my crossbow out and I'm going to take a shot at the doors. And while I do that, I'm going to yell, hey, you got to help us. Uh, The Braddock's gone crazy. He's trying to kill us all down here. (laughs) Okay. I'm doing that with an eye towards trying to um, get Braddock to uh, to get somebody down here and to get Braddock to be distracted. And I'm so I'm, I'm sort of using my uh, my help action. OK, yeah. The way I'm going to rule that is go ahead and make a I will say a persuasion check. We're going to do that against like Braddock's insight. And sure. if he fails, then he's going to be distracted. Cool. Uh, so 21. Yeah, he actually can't hit that <laughs> <Okay>. at all. <laughs> so he's going to go, what? That's not what happened. What's that? That's not, that's not what he's just flustered. Uh, okay. That's not what's happening at all. <laughs> go ahead and make an attack roll with your crossbow bolt. Sure. Now that's something I am bad at. Uh, let's say nine. <laughs> yes. Okay, so what kind of has to happen is the fray has kind of expanded the fill the entire width of the hold. So you have to run along barrels that are along the port side of the hold over top of the sleeping half-orc and right past Silence. Right. Who's going to take a swipe at you. She's going to hit with a 16. Yes, she will. So... Her stats are in a completely different book. I, you know, I, if I were a better DM, <laughs> I, I would have printed out these stat blocks and had them all in one convenient location. But alas, I am not. Yeah, so she's actually just swiping at you with her offhand, which is your claws. So she only does two slashing damage. Okay. Where are you going, little bird friend? I'm not done playing. And you kind of trip as she hits you and sends your crossbow bolt flying. And it hits the wall 
like six inches to the left of the door. Okay. Oh, and you end up right next to the bard. Oh, wonderful. All right. And it is his turn. And he's going to smile very mischievously at you. And he's going to swing his short sword at you. Oh, my God. (laughs) And (laughs) that's an 18 on the die. So that's going to be a 22 to hit. So that's five piercing damage. Jesus. And you actually see his eyes go dark for a second, and you take an extra five psychic damage. Good lord. I am more than bloodied. (laughs) And he smiles at you devilishly. He has yellow teeth and one of them is missing. What the hell did I do to you? To be honest, you're just an easy target. (laughs) It is Starlight's turn. She is kind of still laughing, just having like way too much fun now having something to fight. And she is going to attack Ravnus. 21 to hit, which hits. Yep. So you take six slashing damage. Ow. And then she's going to leap five feet closer next to you. She was diagonal to you and she's going to step up and make another attack with a flourish. But that one is going to miss because it's only a 14. All right. The Warforged is now completely out of the fray, having moved completely to the back where there's now a bunch of passengers that are huddling for safety at the very aft end of the ship. The orc, who is still kind of in a daze from his ogre friend disregarding him and pushing him sideways, is going to push his way along the side of the ship. Oh, don't, don't hurt him. He's just under a lot of pressure. He's not, he doesn't like confined spaces. <laughs> and he, he's trying to plead with Braddock, who is laughing. Another target to challenge my bravery. Like, completely disregarding what this orc is saying to him. Marco, it's your turn. I would like to ask a question before I do anything else. I would like to give you an answer. If I conjured a small flame, would that be enough to blow the ship half to hell? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Hooray! (laughs) Game over! I would recommend not doing that. (laughs) I do have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep that in mind. But I'm not going to do that this round. We're going to see how the next rounds go. But I first must protect this child who has apparently been knocked back to the ogre. So I'm going to look to the ogre and I'm going to say, hey, big guy, what do you call a sleeping mage? A a dead mage. A snorcerer. I'm going to cast Tasha's hideous laughter on him. (laughs) Dear God. Okay, so I actually forgot the ogre's turn. So he did step forward, but I'm going to wait since I forgot if he fails the save, then he just is going to lose his round of attacks because I forgot that he he was angry and wanted to hit things. Regardless, he laughs. Right. Because <laughs> I love that spell, but he needs to make a wisdom saving throw. Alrighty, that's probably not going to be very good. Oh, I didn't roll terribly. That is a wisdom save? Correct. So I rolled a 14, which means he gets a 12. Yep. He just beat it. <laughs> oh, he got a 12? Uh, you 12. say he went down to 12? Then he loses because my save is 13. Damn. <laughs> yes. so, so as you say the punchline, he goes, that's. <laughs> and he just doubles over laughing landing flat on his back because i believe the spell says he falls prone correct that is correct and he actually lands on a bunch of the cargo behind him shattering it but luckily that does not include the barrel that is right beneath his feet he can make a wisdom saving throw at the end of his turn and if he takes any damage at all he gets advantage okay on the next time that he would have that opportunity got it But for now, he is incapacitated laughing. That is correct. And I'm going to use my movement to once again move up to the barrel and kind of protect it. Because I'm assuming I can't get it anywhere. So Braddock is now standing between you and the barrel. Fuck, okay. Because Braddock pushed the barrel closer to the ogre and stood where it was. All right, so is the barrel in immediate harm? Well, right now it's against the leg of this prone ogre. And it's right next to where the orc is standing. Okay. 
So the orc doesn't seem to be all that concerned with the barrel, but if this ogre stands back up, there would be a risk of him stepping on it. All right, so... Because it is in his space. Gotcha. Shit, I'm... Could I make it to the barrel if I provoke an attack of opportunity? Uh, so you can get next to the barrel. So what I, you would be doing is if you squeeze between Ravnus and Braddock, you could get into a space directly next to the ogre and you'd be like diagonally right next to where the barrel is. Would I provoke an AOO? No, you would be moving into the ogre's reach uh, and you only provoke when you leave it. Then I'm going to do that. So yeah, you squeeze between Ravnus and Braddock. Braddock, who is now turned away from Ravnus and is now addressing this ogre and the orc that have just approached, seeing them as the more glorious foes. Ooh. You step up next to Braddock, right next to the, the feet of this prone ogre. Can Braddock see me, though? Yeah, he's aware that you're there. Okay, I want to make sure that that's also happening. Cool. All right, it is Ravnus's turn. Next time I do fucky shit. It is Ravnus's turn. So she is going to swing again. She's going to swing at, at Braddock, I think. She's going to ignore Starlight in front of her and go for Braddock. You have advantage because Luckbeak distracted him. You're welcome. Nice. That is going to be an 18. That is going to just meet his AC and hit him. Nice. Uh, 10 damage. Big hit. Yep. Ouch. And she's just going to glare at Starlight. It is dishonorable to attack a man from behind. Yeah, well, it's also dishonorable to steal. <laughs> it is his turn. And he's going to attack the prone ogre. So he has advantage on that attack. He gets a natural 20. Oh, no. Uh, as this ogre is just, like, laughing uncontrollably. We're going to get people killed over snacks. Yep. <laughs> over snacks. Worst road trip ever. <laughs> I think you mean best road trip ever. <laughs> we stopped for snacks and then people died. <laughs> <laughs> 18 slashing damage against the ogre. And he gets two attacks? Plunges. Uh, Yeah, you know what? He does get two attacks. So that was the first attack. (laughs) I'm just trying to clear this battlefield out. Wait, he got 18 on the first one? He got a natural 20 on the first one. Oh, I thought you meant damage Uh, for a second. Oh, no, no, no. no, 18 damage on the first attack because he crit. Oh, okay. I was was worried for a second. So then he does hit on the second one, dealing an additional 10 damage. Oh, as, no. he, as he just kind of turns the point of his silver Githyanki greatsword downward and plunges it into the gut of this ogre who's laughing. <laughs> and then Braddock pulls it back out and plunges it down again. And the orc is going to say, what's wrong with you? He was just he, uh. appalled that Braddock would do this. Luckbeak, you're standing right next to this nasty looking gnome on your way to the door. And now you see that there's a bunch of the other passengers, a group of five of them that kind of were clustered into the corner, getting away from this ogre, have now moved in front of the door and are banging on it. In front of the double doors? Yeah. Okay. So I am going to, uh, first up, am I still Silence and the Bard and the Gnome? Are they all still around me? No, you, you're away from silence oh, now. Oh, good. Thank God. Okay. You are adjacent to the gnome. Got it. Uh, the gnome bard. Sure. It's one one guy. He's oh, both oh, a gnome got it. and a bard. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And yeah. this, is, this is Braddock's buddy, right? Correct. Okay. It seems that he, silence, and this bard are a little... a little. Sure. They are the nega versions of us. I understand. It's totally <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Very um, much so. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's Zap Brannigan, Draco Malfoy, and Gary Oak. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to use uh, my cunning action to disengage as a bonus action so I don't uh, get an attack of opportunity. And uh, to add the flavor to that, of course, is that like I am just like backing away with my hands up slowly. Like I do not want any <laughs> trouble from you. And then as soon as I am far enough away where I wouldn't provoke an attack of opportunity, I am just like blitzing for the <laughs> biggest group. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whoop, whoop. I'm three stooging away until I hit uh-huh. the biggest group of people, which is probably over by the doors that is correct yeah and i'm just kind of burying myself in that group i'm small so i can wedge in through their legs and i'm getting as much cover as i can because i'm terrified of dying <laughs> you can do that you yes. have half cover between the legs of six individuals perfect there's five in front of the door and then there was the one dwarven woman who you saw like sketching earlier who's over next to this group as well sure i'm gonna help them pound on this damn door yeah you start banging on the door before i was i was fake concerned about uh, about mm-hmm. brennigan killing us all but now i am very concerned <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it is Starlight's turn. She is going to attack Ravnus. She can certainly try. She can and she will. That's going to be a 17 to hit, which it meets yep. see. So that is six slashing damage. All right. And then she's going to swing it again and just barely miss with a 16. Ha. It's the orc's turn. Seeing Braddock attack his vulnerable prone ogre friend, regardless of who instigated this, the orc is going to attack Braddock. Uh, nope, he's going to miss like a chump. And the ogre gets a saving throw. Uh, what's my DC to beat, Tanner? DC is 13. He rolls a 14, uh, but he has a negative two. So he fails again. So he continues to be laughing on the floor. All right. And now, Marco, it is your turn. Can I get the barrel out of harm's way? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll say you can do that. You're, you're basically reaching into the ogre's square. You can actually see that the kid is trying to clamber out of the barrel now. You could probably grab him and kind of pull him into your space if you want to. Yeah, I'm going to grab the kid, pull him into my space. Yeah, that's going to be your action to do that, though. Oh, okay, that's fair then. That's fair. I look at Braddock and I'm going to say to him, stop this right now or I cast Flaming Spear right where you're standing. Fuck. Make an intimidation check with advantage. All right, with advantage of 17. He looks at you, looks at the kid, and sees you holding your hand, like, threatening, like, you're going to cast a spell. Let's not, let's not get crazy here. He's only defending these innocent people from this, this hulking brute. Everybody stop fighting, or I cast Flaming Spear, I blow a hole in the ship, and we all see how this ends. But I guarantee you, Braddock, are going to be nothing but paste. That definitely stops everyone from panicking. <laughs> okay so you definitely talked braddock down but i want you to make a persuasion check to the room all right that's a fair assessment non-natural 20 yeah if you're bluffing they're like they're not gonna risk it braddock and starlight they don't drop their weapons but they drop their aggressive stance and starlight goes (laughs) they're just having a little fun no need to get crazy Personally, I'm banking on the fact that Braddock loves himself too much to know I'm bluffing. (laughs) That is a pretty safe bet. And Braddock definitely seems like he's not going to risk this. He lowers his sword. So let's all just be cool and go back to the way we were doing things. Ravnus is going to just sheath her sword. Braddock is going to step back up away from the ogre, who's still laughing hysterically on the floor. Marco, as you kind of look around, you see that this half-elven woman who's kind of watching the whole fray from the edges kind of makes eye contact with you, and she smiles and nods. Marco's a little too hurt right now to kind of give a playful nod back, but he's just going to, like, 
breathing heavily, like, nod and then, like, take the kid back over to his, uh, his sister. With that, the combat is pretty much over. The orcs can eventually stop laughing. <laughs> what happened? You kind of look around and, why do I hurt? The momentum of his anger now, like, completely ceased. He kind of, like, gives up his rampage, nursing his horrible gut wound from Braddock's sword. He kind of pulls himself up into a sitting position and inches over to the side next to his orc friend, pats him on the shoulder and goes, It's okay, Gakrock. Everyone has tantrums. (laughs) Oh, Gakrock. (laughs) (laughs) At that, the doors in front of you, Luckbeak, open. And you see, like, a guard basically standing there, and he has blue livery with what you would know as the symbol of the Salvagers Guild standing there. What the blazes is going on here? Oh, thank God. You gotta help us. The three of them started going nuts and started taking out their aggression on not getting enough rations on all hey, of hey, us. Hey, hey, shut, shut your beak and back up away from the door. Uh, Everybody back up I, I, from the door. I don't want any trouble. All right, all right. This man and three others kind of walk into the room and kind of assess the situation and see that it is already kind of de-escalated and there's a bunch of ogre blood on the ground and an ogre sitting there nursing his wounds and Braddock kind of also nursing his wounds a little bit and looking a little like his ego took a little bit of a hit. Now, who's going to tell me what the bloody fuck just happened? I mean, I tried, but if you doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I mean, are you ready to hear it now? Are you ready to fucking... I just, I just asked you. Well, number one, we could use a guard inside the doors instead of outside the doors. Uh, they, 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 they did lock in. Well, when you guys move oh, away I from know. the door, they I mean, permanently. In. Yeah. I mean, instead of having somebody <laughs> watching all of us from the outside... That seems to be the worst way to go about things. So let me humbly request as not your prisoner, but your passenger that you put somebody inside here from now on. Now, secondly, we thought you were responsible enough to govern yourselves in here, but perhaps we were wrong. Hmm. Well, uh, apparently you were. So, uh, Tabaxi, Brig, Gnome, Brig. Human brig. That's, I mean, that's the long and short of it if you want the, the rundown. Hey, are you the crew of the ship? Well, no. Because it looks to me like you're not the crew of the ship. All right, listen. This is the second so time I've tried to, to explain decide who to goes you. In the brig. Oh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Um, uh, Listen, I'm done explaining to you what happened. <laughs> you want it, you get it from somebody else. <laughs> he looks around the room. He goes, you all knock it the fuck off. We still got days left of this journey. Observes the room one last glance and leaves. And you hear the door lock again. Sure, sure. That's fine. I mean, it's hard to take constructive criticism. I understand. I'm talking to no one at this point, but like, I mean, I'm more than willing to give it to whoever, but Jesus, I mean, you're going to try to take it. That's just one person on the inside. That's all we need. (sighs) Hey, you all right over there? I felt better. Okay. All right. All right. Like you could see he probably has like a bruise the size of a damn basketball on the back of his head. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> Ravnus goes and sits down with uh, Luckbeak and Marco and just starts eating again. <laughs> At that point, the Dragonborn you were talking to earlier, Marco, Rodix, is mm-hmm. going to walk up and he's going to say, I can heal your wounds for you if you'd like. You know, man, that, that'd be great. That would be so great. Thank you. He's going to pull out his holy symbol of Ayun, which looks uh, like a stylized eye. Uh, he whispers an incantation. You heal six hit points. All right. So I'm not back up, but I'm feeling a lot better. Marco, Marco. God. Uh, well, too late now. All right, Roddix. How much was it? 
I'm, I'm just wondering how much Marco owes you now. Marco, you can't just take... Nobody's giving anything away for free here. Uh, I, actually, I, I offered. It's it's quite all right. He, Marco here showed great bravery. And uh, for the sake of the, the bystanders, I thought he owed as much. Oh, what? Thank you. Uh, Wow, yeah, I'll take one too. Do, you just do, giving him out? Quiet. I was pretty brave. I can, I can only do that. I, I'm afraid the power of Iun has only allowed me to perform this miracle only a certain Got number. It. But if you re- if you require it, I can provide. Uh, wait, wait, wait! It only gives you a certain number, but if I need it, you'll give it to me anyway. If you are in need more than any others, I see. All right. Otherwise, I I have to ration. You understand? Okay, that's 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 understandable. I think everybody's calm enough that I don't really need one right now. There's no worries. It's all good. Um, now that I can probably like stand up and not feel woozy, yeah. Can I go to the teenager and the child and ask if they are okay? Yeah, you can see that the the teenage girl she kind of has a scuff on her one cheek where she took a dive when the ogre first approached, and it looks like the little boy has pretty nasty bruise on his elbow, but they're otherwise okay. Thank you. I- don't know what would have happened if if you haven't if, you know if you hadn't saved Edgar here. Edgar, it's it's no problem. I'm words are hard to come by right now. Uh, don't mention it. What's your name? My name is Riley. All right, Riley and Edgar, watch out for yourselves. If you need anything, whenever we get to where we're going, maybe we can work something out. All right. He's gonna go back to his friends. What was that kid doing in a barrel? Um, apparently he was too young to make the voyage, so his, uh, sister over there smuggled him on. I figured it out a little, about, hell, ten minutes ago, and he was going to be crushed by the ogre, so I couldn't let that happen, and, well, here we are. Damn. I wasn't much older than him when I started riding ships. I don't know what he's hiding in a barrel for. I didn't have to do that ever. Well, if I may, it sounds like the people above deck are a bunch of pricks, in, if I want to put this in scholarly terms. They certainly are, a voice says from behind you, and you look and you see this half-elf that was kind of observing from the fringes of the combat. She's dark-skinned. You see her faint, just slightly pointed ears, and she has got very dark auburn hair that is wild but pulled back with beads in it in certain places. And she wears a long leather overcoat that hangs in tails that go about just above her calves. The Salvagers Guild are and always have been a bunch of pricks. Good to know. I now have first-hand experience. Yes, and it doesn't get much better once we get to Nadir Anchorage. Uh, they basically run the place there. Can I ask why you're on one of their ships, then? <laughs> I'm recruiting. What are you recruiting for, exactly? Well, I'm part of a crew that operates outside of the Salvagers Guild, and we seem to be a little short-handed. So I figured the best place to recruit is those who got suckered into this voyage. Let them see just how much a pricks the Salvagers Guild are, and provide them a better option once we get to Nadir Anchorage. And who are you exactly? My name is Val. All right. Nice to meet you, Val. I'm Marco. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, yeah, luck, luck, Beak, uh, uh, Ravnus, etc. But, uh, Val, can I ask you what guild you're with? Oh, I'm with no guild other than the crew of the Voidfarer. Hey there, Nick here, your speaker of words, your master of dungeons. Thanks for listening to Tales of the Voidfarer, episode two. That means we didn't scare you away the first episode. 
Unless, of course, you skipped it, in which case I'm sure you're very confused, and I would apologize, but you did this to yourself. Anyway, I just wanted to take the opportunity to once again shout out Rachel Guzak, 8BitRibbit on Twitter and Tumblr for doing our awesome character art of Marco, Luckbeak, and Ravnus. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can check it out on our social media, at Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Pod on Twitter. Because if usernames on Twitter were four characters longer, the universe would implode, apparently. Also, thanks to all the awesome people we got to meet at Con on the Cob this past weekend in Richfield, Ohio, and all the people who came out to our space pirate party there. Special thanks to 2D6, Saker's Nerdcore Band, for performing at that party and making it just an all-around good time. Episode 3 should be up really soon, if it isn't already, and Episode 4 will be up Tuesday, October 15th, 2019, to kick off our Every Other Tuesday schedule. Now, I'm sure you're tired of listening to me talk, so I'll wrap things up so you can go back to listening to me talk. So we left off with you guys standing there, uh, having just met Val, and everything is settling back down from the scuffle that just happened on board. At that moment, the girl that you were talking to, Marco, comes up to you. If you recall, her name is Riley. She goes, can, can you help me move? And she kind of nods her head towards the barrel that got knocked over in the middle of the fight. Um... Well, Riley, I'm more than happy to, but the cat's sort of out of the bag now, isn't he? Look, I, I don't know who I can trust, and the, the the guild members, I don't know what they're going to do if they find him. So if you can just help me set his barrel back up and maybe move it to a little bit of a less conspicuous area, I'd... Of course. Um, Actually, whenever I was talking to that lady over there, she was potentially offering work. I was wondering if you all would like to come with us. Uh, and she kind of like looks past you at Val, who's still talking with Ravnus and Luckbeak. Maybe. I I don't know. Do you trust her? I trust her enough that I think that she can get us where we need to go. And in truth, she's just as trustful as anybody that we're going to meet whenever this boat lands. She kind of nods and she goes, well, I trust you then. Why don't you bring Adgar over and we'll all keep an eye on him. All right. Um, she seems a little bit hesitant, but she helps her brother out and kind of ushers him over to the group of you. So as you're standing there, the forged that had the altercation with Braddock walks up to you, Ravnus. His jaw is completely gone and you can see where it's shorn. The metal is rusted in places and bent up and mangled. A part of his throat is missing and you can see the brass and wooden fixtures that make up his body. Kind of nods and puts his hand on your shoulder and you kind of get the impression that this is some form of thank you. Uh, She nods at him and then just brushes his hand off of her shoulder. You do that and he takes that same hand and he places it on his chest like he's gesturing to himself. The hand closes into a fist and he bangs on his chest twice, leaving these two sharp clangs that reverberate off and he nods at you again. You can make an insight check if you'd like. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very confused. Uh, 15. Yeah, you get the impression that seems to be his name, and you're not quite sure what that translates to, but the clanging sound that he makes is like him telling you his name. Okay. She nods at him, and she, she like gestures to herself, and she goes, Ravnus. He nods. He takes a few steps past you to go towards the back of the cargo hold, and he bends down, and you see a couple rations got dropped in the fray, and he picks them back up, 
and he gestures for you to follow him and everyone else as well. She follows him. So yeah, he walks around this large stack of crates, or almost like forms like a second little room in the back where there's more passengers. And he walks over to a family of five gnomes. There's one who looks very, very old, and he also looks sick. And he's laying there, you know, has a large bulbous gnome nose and this kind of bristly white mutton chops that climb up the side of his head and then crawl around the back of his head, leaving a shiny bald dome on top of his head. And he seems to just be like almost completely out of it. You see him sweating and he's tended to by a female gnome who seems like the oldest of the rest of the group, but still very young in comparison, a youngish adult. You see that she's wearing like kind of worker's clothes and she has tools on a belt. There's two other female gnomes that seem younger and they're identical. They appear to be twins. And then there's the youngest, a very young adult, a male gnome. And he doesn't seem like he's doing too hot either. He seems like he's sick, but not nearly as sick as the older one. The Sforge walks up to them and kneels down and offers all of the rations he collected to this family. The oldest gnome, the one who's tending to the old man, Ah, Clanks, thank you, thank you. I don't know what we would do without you. This Warforged, who you've heard referred to as Clanks, stands there and he moves his body a little bit and there's clicking and whirring sounds. And this gnome nods like she understands what he's saying. And she goes, they what? And turns to look at you. You helped? You helped him out? How do you understand him? Oh, well, you see, I, um, I have a way with machines, tinkering and the like. I create all sorts of things. Uh, you know, really everything you can think of. Uh, it's kind of my specialty. I learned it from my, my pa here. And she gestures down to the old sick gnome. So I sort of have a way with machines. I can kind of talk to them. It's not really like speaking, but I kind of understand what's going on with them. I can tell you what's wrong with something just by kind of listening and observing it. And it's a skill that has come in quite handy with our new friend here. Now, you, you, you haven't fixed his jaw yet? I only just met him on this voyage. Mm-hmm. I see. You think any old piece of metal would do, correct? Mm. No, not not entirely. You see, uh, the Forge as a people uh, come from a very unique source. And they, uh, they're not created the same way that other constructs are created. Hmm. You know, you see, most constructs don't have a soul, but the Forged, they're something special. And they come from a very uh, distant and unheard of place. From, from what I understand, I have only heard what the, the Forge has said. The, the children of Sybaris, as it were. Ravnus is going to kneel down and take a closer look at the sickly old man and do a medicine check. Yeah, you can go ahead and do that. As you're doing that, this gnome continues to say, but before I was rudely interrupted, she says, like shooting a look at Luckbeak, I was going to say, my name is Amanthi Flute Gadget. This is my pa, Stubbins Flute Gadget, my sisters Pamina and Rosiara, and my brother Darkane. And what did you get on that uh, medicine check? I rolled a one, so she's like pretty <laughs> certain he is in fact a gnome, and that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, you're like, yep, this is a gnome. And then you're like a little confused, like, isn't this just how gnomes act? He's just old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he sure does seem sick. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes, but yeah, I am just appreciative. I wouldn't know how we would survive this voyage without Clanks, and if he ran into trouble and you were able to help him, then I don't know how we've been able to make it without you either. And then she says, please 
And she kind of like rustles through her various like pockets and pouches, pull out tools and like gears and stuff. And then she goes, oh, here it is. And she pulls out what looks like an amulet. But as she pulls it out, you can hear this faint whirring and clicking coming from it. And as you look, the entire like facade of it seems to be made out of like a thousand tiny little gears that are slowly clicking and turning in time. And the amulet itself is on like a large brass chain. This is something that I was able to make just before we, uh, you know, left the Rock of Brawl. Uh, it's the last one I have for now until I can, you know, find the means to make another one. But it's all I really have a value to give you, and I don't really have much of a use for it myself. So take it. What is it? Well, this is, this is a clockwork amulet, and it is imbued with the powers of the plane of Mechanus once a day. Those powers, those powers of absolute law can influence fate around you and ensure that stuff that you should be able to do, it ensures that that one time some, nothing happens and you don't mess it up. And what that actually means in game terms is when you make an attack roll, when you are wearing the amulet, you can forgo rolling a d20 and instead treat it as if you rolled a 10. And you can do that once per day. So I guess it is only attack rolls. Cool. Uh, she takes the amulet and she nods at Amanthe and Clanks and the rest of the family and just says, uh, thank you. Uh, this was uh, unexpected, I guess. <laughs> well, I appreciate the help. And once we get to Nadir Anchorage um, and get our shop set up, uh, hopefully be able to create a new one anyway. So it's really nothing. And then she just puts the amulet on because she doesn't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Amanthe looks past Ravness and like to the rest of you and she goes, Oh, and I don't believe I got any of your names. Did you Did you help as well? Oh, um, yeah. I'm uh, Marco Astorio. I'm a scholar. I guess I did help in that situation. I might have made a few enemies in the process, but... Well, don't we all, to achieve anything, sometimes end up stepping on toes, I... Know that more than most. She kind of laughs nervously, but she says, Well, um, I'm afraid I only had the one amulet, uh, so I suppose you have to share? Oh, sure. I mean, I'll take it on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I think Marco <laughs> can have it Tuesdays, Thursdays. Sunday, we'll split it, of course. Uh, nice to meet you, by the way. I'm Luckbeak Humboldt, and I am a humble merchant like yourself. Now, tell me, what do you sell? Oh, well, like I said, I tinker, like my pa here, and we mm. focus in the, the creation of mechanical intricate items, sometimes imbued with magic, you know, such artificing and tinkering as it were kind of dabble in anything and everything whatever strikes strikes my fancy uh, wherever inspiration comes oh um i don't mean to interrupt but uh marco pulls out his wooden box with strange symbols on it uh would you know anything about this she kind of squints her eyes at it for a second and she reaches up and she's wearing like goggles she pulls the little removable lenses that swivel down in front of her eye and she examines it closely moving almost uncomfortably close just letting you hold it and she goes hmm interesting markings perhaps imbued with magic, and she kind of waves her hand slightly. Like, no, not entirely. Seems to be some sort of script, but I'm afraid I'm not uh, a linguist or any sort of expert in glyphs, so I can't really make heads or tails of it. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I appreciate you trying. No worries. I'm always a fan of a mystery. 
turning back to you, Luckbeak, she says, oh, uh, so we actually were friends with a, a Doar merchant back on the Rock of Brawl. Uh, he has since moved out here. We were actually, he was actually helping us getting established, doing a little bit of the legwork so that we have a premise to move into when we arrive. I see. And what was his name? His name is Zeke Dooley. Zeke Dooley. Well, I will have to meet this Zeke Dooley. Sounds like an upstanding gentleman if he is a Dewar. Oh, yes, he is. He's a longtime family friend. Him and my father go way back. I see, I see. All right, very good. Yeah, he's a business owner, and he has other Dewar in his employ. I see, all right. I will have to make conversation with him. His, uh, his bodyguards aren't the friendliest or the most talkative. I think they'd prefer I shut up most of the time whenever I've met them. But Zeke's a good guy. That's very interesting. A Doha that can afford and has need of bodyguards. Well, he must be doing quite well for himself, is he not? Uh, I believe so. Wow. All right. I certainly must get to know him. Then. He he certainly gives off that impression at the very least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Even if Doha's aren't doing so well, we're very good at giving off the impression, I must say. <laughs> she kind of laughs a little. I appreciate your help, um, but I think my father uh, needs his, his rest for the time being. But thank you again, and... Uh, well, especially since I didn't have something for everyone, if you ever need anything, once we get set up at Nadir, then stop on by and I can see what I can do for you. Well, we certainly will. Thank you very much for your hospitality. Yes, thank you. Bye. My my pleasure. The rest of the journey goes rather uneventfully. After this whole kerfuffle in the cargo hold happens, uh, it appears that the guild crew members have been taking a little bit more precautions to make sure nothing like that breaks out again, which has the benefit of working, but at the downside of the guards being basically a constant and very surly and annoying presence. Hmm. After what feels like a week, you are basically interrupted by a handful of the crew coming into the hold and they just say all right everyone up up on the decks we have to start prepping the cargo the captain doesn't want to spend more than an hour at the docks so everybody up on deck they start filing you out of the cargo hold up onto the deck Yep. and they tell you where to stand lining you guys all up in like a rough two or three person wide line in the very center of the deck leaving plenty of room around you for the crew members to work as they get ready to arrive at their destination you haven't gotten a good look outside of the ship since you were on this voyage and the light multicolored haze of the phlogiston that is ever present in the cargo hold doesn't do the expanse of the phlogiston see justice because when you step out onto the deck, that haze turns into an endless sea of swirling rainbow all around. Wow. Swirling phlogiston all around you, zipping at different speeds, and it's awe-inspiring. You're looking around off the side of the ship, and you turn towards the bow, and you can see there is a dark mass in the haze, and it grows darker and darker and bigger and wider. It just appears like it's this black barrier that is growing closer and closer to you. And it is so expansive that you can't see the edges. It just goes until it fades off into the haze of the phlogiston. Hmm. And you guys would know this is the exterior of a crystal sphere. So massive, in fact, that it doesn't look like a sphere. It looks like a flat wall that just exists. It makes you feel minuscule. You see what you can only guess is the captain of this ship stride out onto the aft castle. He looks human-ish, but not entirely. But as he kind of looks up, observing this black mass coming, he puts up his hand and makes a gesture. 
you see a short male dwarf, but skinny for a dwarf, like still kind of broad shouldered, but almost looks emaciated with a little bit of a hunched back, walks out onto the deck with a thick, heavy tome under his arm. And he walks past you guys up to the forecastle of the ship. Is Marco kind of understanding what's going on right now? Would he have a decent idea from what he studied before? Go ahead and make an arcana check. That would be a 22. Yeah, you know exactly what he's doing because it is outlined in your book, Sailing the Sea of Stars. You're pretty sure this dwarf is a wizard and he is going to perform a powerful magical ritual that's going to open a portal that would allow you guys to leave the phlogiston and enter this crystal sphere. Um, so the crew is talking about having to unload cargo. I mean, would they be unloading it here at the edge of the crystal sphere? No, but you get the impression that your destination isn't that far beyond Got it. The, the crystal sphere. Okay. Marco is just going to stare at everything awestruck. Yeah. So you see this wizard as he stands up and he kind of like rolls back the sleeves of his robe. You see him begin gesturing in huge circular motions with his hands. You hear him speaking in enchantment. Can't quite hear it from this distance, but you can just kind of make out the cadences and the tone. Arcane energy begins crackling from his hands and he begins drawing a glyph in the air connecting points, creating this intricate symmetrical sigil hanging in the air. When he does this, his hands begin to glow brighter and brighter. And then with both hands like together, palms out, he pushes at arm's length directly in front of him in the center of the sigil. You see on the crystal sphere itself, lines begin to form, creating the same sigil, but on a gargantuan scale. When the lines form, the center, which almost looks like an octagon, the way the lines are connecting, is black. And it's still black, but you realize that it's a slightly different shade. And you can now see there's depth. And you can see two tiny pinpricks of light, one yellow and one cooler, one blue. The ship begins to move forward. You just watch as this massive wall grows larger and larger and then overtakes you as the ship flies through the center of this massive glyph. And you look and see the lines of arcane energy glowing along the edges of this portal move overhead and then behind you. And you're kind of like left in this perfectly black void for a moment. Then you can slowly make out the slight difference in the black coloration of the substance around you and the black void of crate space. ProjectDerailed.com